Hey, it's Aidan here. Just before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about something new. It's called the Magician's Business Group. We've just opened up a Facebook group designed to help you guys as entertainers grow and improve your entertainment business. So if that is you, if you are an entertainer that wants help growing and improving your entertainment business, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash group and the magic of the internet will take you right there. Or if you're like me, have the Facebook app on your phone, open it up and search for the Magician's Business Group and you'll go straight there. Anyways, back to the episode. Hello and welcome to the Successful Mentalist podcast. Of course, my name is Ashley Green. I'm joined by my best friend and the co-host of this podcast and TSM overall, co-founder, co-director, everything, blah, 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 blah. He coded everything. It is Aidan O'Sullivan, the mindset guru. Oh, I love that. I love that. It, it would have been easy. Oh, no, I was going to say it would have been easy to just say and my other half, but that, that's not the case. I don't want to get that one in everyone's mind. Just like... I don't really want that trending on the Twitter and the Instagram. <laughs> and Ashley, the other half. No, 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 no. Um, but moving on swiftly past today's awkwardness, you know, we hit something absolutely amazing. It's been just over a year now since we set up the Successful Mentalist. Um, we've been doing this as a place to really share our deep philosophies behind what creates a thriving hustle-free like fantastic entertainer uh, we've been doing that through kind of health mindset business and performances teaching all the stuff that wasn't around and still isn't around when we was growing up and getting into magic and mentalism stuff wasn't out there we had to develop this learn this ourselves and we thought you know there's so much that we can share to help other people and we have we've we've helped people thousand times their fee from performing find the right direction with their life overcome massive health obstacles it's it's amazing and on top of that Aiden TSM is now in 95 countries around the world. We have raving fans in 95 countries. There are only 195 countries in the world overall. And we are basically, we have dominated. We have taken over half of the world. Madness. 95 countries. So a massive shout out to all of you uh, new followers, new subscribers to the podcast, those who have been buying our lectures, coming onto our courses like Learn to Thrive. You guys are absolutely amazing. So a massive thank you from the bottom of my heart. Honestly, it's amazing to see so many people across so many countries. Like every time we refresh the list every couple of weeks and we see that there's new countries added, we're always trying to find out which countries it is just to find out where the countries are because we don't even know half of the countries that are, are on our list which is amazing but it's not as amazing as the other thing you see i did some maths actually yesterday and uh and the maths was quite interesting so i took our average episode length okay so our average episode length about half an hour that's our usual thing obviously the just the tips are a bit shorter and our guest episodes are a bit longer so that was the average and i multiplied that by all of the downloads that we've had the incredible downloads across these 95 countries of all time and i basically did a little bit of math to work out how much playtime that is how many minutes have been listened across the lifetime of this podcast as of yesterday and we've been listened if we was to put it back to back for a total amount of time of 1.5 years a year and a half of back-to-back plays is the equivalent of what you guys have been listening to us for which is just bizarre like even bizarrer than the 95 countries i i love the fact that that's the case a year and a half i would literally just laugh at this point aiden if uh if we had no listeners and it was just that one guy in tunisia 
Just constant loop of the playlist. Just one episode over and over and over. But anyway, beyond that, um, today we want to talk about a topic which you guys have been interested in for quite a while. Uh, it's very, very out there. Everyone wants to know about it, whether you're a beginner, a pro, an intermediate. It's how to fool your audience. How to fool your audience. How to make them think you're, well, absolutely bloody brilliant, to put it simply. Well, exactly that. And we've got a, a kind of a four-stage process. And uh, for long-term listeners of the podcast, you'll know that we like breaking down our thoughts and philosophies into a couple of clear, really actionable steps. And today there are four key elements or, or four key stages that you should probably work through in order to work out and, and prepare your material to be the most fooling it is. And I think let's get stuck straight into this. The first stage is a really clear question. What is your definition of of fooling. What does fooling actually mean to you? Because for some people, it's actually making your audience think that you have some level of powers, whether you are able to read body language or you can intuitively pick up on information off of objects or whatever the case is. Like that might be one definition of, of fooling, actually making people think you've got these powers or, or skill sets actually what's another example well yeah another example on that like obviously we've covered powers which are like the psychological the psychic or maybe just sleight of hand that's your power at the end of the day real life sleight of hand but another example here would be you just want to go out and perform tricks and you just don't want someone to know how you've done the trick that's perfectly fine and acceptable like there are many good magicians that go out and just perform tricks and it is actually really entertaining and it's like this constant fight against logic like how did that, how did that happen oh my gosh my brain is like spaghetti if you want to go out and just perform tricks obviously there's going to need to be that element of falling there because you don't want people to work out how the trick's done but there's another one because at this point when we thought about this we were like Really, that's the main two at the end of the day. I know a lot of people will be listening to this thinking, at the end of the day, when you're performing magic, that's the main two. You've got either uh, the powers, the psychological, the psychic, the sleight of hand, or anything else that falls under that a kind of genre. And then you've got the people that just go out and perform tricks. Isn't that it when you do magic? But there's another one, Aiden. What's that? Well, it's kind of the idea of just making people think that you did something that you didn't do, like making people think that you've done one method when you've done something different. Again, you could argue that this is technically a, a power or just a, a natural sort of falling in that they can't work out how the trick is done. But here it's like a combination of the both of them because you are teaching them how the trick is done, if you like, but that's not actually how the trick is done. So you, you kind of got this weird dual reality deception thing. And if you want to know of a great pair of performers that have built an entire career off of this kind of angle, you need to look no further than Penn and Teller. Like they get told off in the magic world all the time for revealing a trick and then like, or performing it and then repeating it, showing the audience how it's done. And, and again, sometimes they've got this great angle where they can literally do that. But also the, the revealed method is still indifferent to the actual method being used so that's kind of another example of falling but ultimately like you can pick up on anything you can define falling by your own terms these are just three examples that we wanted to kind of bundle in for the purpose of this episode and i just want to point out there it's so important that you guys listening right now and when you go and teach this to your friends that you don't overstep this point you don't think ah, i don't need that i just need to do the trick well like this in my mind, is the most crucial step. It's the foundational step to leverage everything else. Far too often, I see magicians that just 
say, right, I'm I'm just doing tricks, blah, 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 blah. I just want to form the audience. Okay, I need to practice it and I need to have good presentation and character. Like that's later as you're going to hear here. The main crucial part of this is to really think how you want to fool them. It It's almost setting you up for that deep understanding within your character and it sets you up when you understand this point of how you're going to present it, the angles which you want to take it so you don't go off on these weird tangents and it feels weird to your audience. When you can understand this, it helps build it up to the next step. It's the most crucial part. And, and I think what's really important is that you, although... We've just given a couple of examples there, like making people think you have some form of power or skill set, just flat out bamboozling them so that they don't know how the trick was actually done or or making them think that the actual method being used was completely different, like it's kind of a, a bit in the middle. But you can mix this up from trick to trick, from routine to routine, from show to show. If, if you like, you can dabble with these or, or even your own definition of fooling. Uh, but what's really important is that you're not just jumping between any that might contradict the other one. For example, if I want you to think that I've got really great uh, sleight of hand ability and, and that's like the core element of this specific routine, and then I try and do another card trick or another uh, another effect where I'm just trying to fool them, audiences at that point are going to be programmed to be thinking, well, it's sleight of hand. He's really good at sleight of hand. So you're going to get a little bit of an overlap and Uh, between the way you structure your routines overall but ultimately it's not fixed you don't just have to have a definition of falling that means everything although you can it doesn't always have to be like that it's very pick and choosy because at the end of the day it's an art form right we're we're just trying to put a little bit of structure to help you navigate your thoughts and philosophy within the actual art form itself but again what is your definition of falling so important and everybody overlooks it I just want to give another example there because this actually came up the other day when we was planning this episode Aiden. we actually spoke about me from my own perspective if I was to go out as like my you guys know by now my my whole superpower behind the mentalism is I'm an intuitive psychic I do stuff for real I'm I'm the guy magicians hate (laughs) there we go but if I started to go out there and then started to present something and then done like a Pell and Teller style of maybe an effect, I I done some one ahead routine and then kind of revealed it like that Pen and Teller style to get people in and get that entertainment like, wow, I see it. This is really fun and fascinating. If I'd done a reading just before that, a psychic reading where there weren't any tricks, it was literally just real. It was tarot cards or bone casting. Like there's no tricks. There's no peaks. There's no stalking. It's just reading as it is. No cold lines. It's proper reading like mentalists are supposed to do. Well, if I do a trick and then reveal it to make it entertaining or I do a trick uh, just for trick's sake, the audience is going to be like, well, if, if Ashley can do tricks, if this is how he's doing that, then then the reading earlier, there must be a trick in that. Your audiences are quite logical, aren't they? They're always looking into things. And if you've led them down the path of being psychic, now you're leading them down that path of me doing tricks. They're going to go back to the reading and go, how's that done? Like, must have just been Facebook stalking, or did, did, did he listen to us before he came over? And, and then everything's going to crumble down in my performances, and they, they feel like they kind of know everything, and I'm now no longer the strong performer I once was. <laughs> I love how easily and, and, and elegantly you just glossed over stalking and Facebook stalking, uh, j- just because that's normal, apparently. Um but yeah, like what's really important is the case that 
we are dumbing down audience thought processes here. We're, we're not saying that every audience member will sit and analyse what you do afterwards to what you do beforehand, but you're right, Ashley. Audiences are getting incredibly logical. Uh, if you're in the UK, you will know that just naturally. We've got a ton of sceptics over here. Uh, from what we know of the of, over in the America and the United States, uh, over there, audiences may be a little bit less so. They're, they're, from what I've experienced and what I've seen in the audience, we've got really sceptical in the UK. Uh, and in the audiences over in the US, they look a lot more heckly. Like, if you was to really dumb it down. But the point here is that we're making the audience journey one thing just for ease of explanation. But that brings us on to this second point. Once you've got your definition of falling, what are the things that you have to do in order to achieve this definition of falling? And there are two principles that you must do every single time, reliably, without fail. And the first being, hide the bloody method. If your audience sees the method regardless of how or which definition you've got, you will not fool them if they know how it's done, right? Ultimately, a trick is a trick at the end of the day, regardless of what story you put on it or what emotional connection or what presentation or what angle you come at it from. If your audience sees the method, that trick does not work. So that's one thing that you need to do in order to make that definition happen. If somebody thinks, if you're trying to convince somebody that you're doing body language and they see uh, that you're doing that through the, the witch hand thing and they notice that your, your coin or your pebble or whatever it is that you're giving them is magnetic, which, fun fact, I've had happen on stage and in like street performances. On multiple occasions, people tend to do that thing where they put it in their back pocket and that's where they've got their keys. And as a result, when they go to pull out the, the pebble or the, um, uh, the coin, keys have stuck to it and it's like really awkward moment there then they can actually backtrack it like it's bizarre but hide the method first of all well i want to make a really good point here to say i know people are going to be listening to think ah what how to fool your audience hide the method come on i know this you would be surprised how many professional magicians i have seen that have not done this because let me give a few examples which you might now think oh my gosh boys I am guilty of that. Aiden, do you remember the first time we had Taha Mansour on the TSM podcast? We were speaking about a magician over in Paris, and uh, he said it was like uh, an hour or two hours before a wedding. I went into a local magic shop, and the, the magician over there went, oh, Hello, what's the best thing uh, which has just come out within the magic and mentalism world today that I can perform at my gig in two hours' time? And the guy was like, Here's a self-working thing, just do this. No practice time, no flight time. First of all, that's bad for so many reasons. It's literally like you're not putting your own spin, your own character on it. But to keep it like straight down to the method, the person hadn't had any bloody time to practice it, so they're not going to be rusty. There's going to be things that happen within performance, which are unexpected things, unexpected moments that don't go to plan, don't follow the usual script of what's meant to happen. And when they come up, then your method gets destroyed. The other thing that I've seen professional magicians do... In venues I've worked at, in residencies I've worked at, even when I've been working at events with other magicians, is they've not actually cared about the the bloody scenario they're in, the actual situation they're in. I've seen people produce bottles and forget that they're surrounded so that the people in front of them think, oh my gosh, the bottles just appeared from over there. And the people behind them are like, oh, why is a guy just taking a bottle out of black pocket and why are the people impressed in front of him? And the worst part upon this, I've seen that same magician go to a table, one or two next to him, turn around, do the same trick. The table in the corner, like, oh my gosh, a bottle. 
But the table they've just performed to was still like, oh my gosh, how'd they produce a bowl? Look over because they're naturally inquisitive and curious because they like said magician and literally see the magician reach into the back pocket, pull out the bottle, and now they're shattered. They're like, oh my gosh. So even though that magician in that moment went, yeah, that was cool. I showed him a good trick. They were clearly fooled. No, no, you've not thought about your environment. Paying attention to your environment is so crucial. I remember when I was speaking to Faye Presto about this. Wonderful wedding enter... No, wedding enter... A wonderful restaurant entertainer. I'm sure she does fantastic weddings, but she smashes it out of the park with her high-end restaurant residencies. And she's like, the amount of people that don't think about environments when they're using invisible thread as well. And people just think using a visible thread, oh, it's invisible. You've got to think about the lighting situations, what type of lightings, where's the lighting going to be coming from, where your audience is, uh, when you're actually sticking uh, lines of invisible thread across. You, you know, all of this, you have to pay attention to it because it's the stuff that we don't think about as magicians or mentalists going into this area. But these are the reasons why. You're not going to fool your audiences with your methods. Yeah, you might have practiced it a million and one times and it might be fantastic. But if you haven't got the environment and the lighting and maybe the audience is primed and positioned perfectly, then they're going to see things no matter how good your sleight of hand or billet peaks are. Well, this is it at the end of the day. It's, it's, it feels like an obvious statement, but it's one that's just so versatile and, and transfers from situation to situation, from event to event, even if it's in the same environment. It's a really bizarre one to actually wrap our head around. But that brings us on to the second point of that. Uh, and that second universal principle that you touched on is applying your character. A character is so important here because at the end of the day, if you decide that you want somebody to think that you've got powers like to take my example from this uh, i want people to believe that i'm using body language for example that in this specific routine i want to fool them in that i want them to think that i'm doing body language what do i have to do in order to make that happen well whatever the method is hide it so for example let's say i'm using a um, a metal detector or a magnet detector for a witch hand routine which is is a perfectly fine and valid thing um <laughs> I could do that, but I'll have to hide that method, make sure that nobody spots the magnet and nobody is going to have the opportunity where they put the, the coin or the pebble in their back pocket or in a pocket with another potentially magnetic item. I've got to make sure that all of that is out of the way first of all. And then if I'm doing it out of character, for example, I'm doing it as just an intuitive thing, like uh, to take Ashley's character, for example, if I start performing like Ashley or, or presenting it like Ashley, people aren't really going to be able to connect the whole presentation element to the what's going on in the trick they're not going to understand the the method in this case that i want them to believe in terms of body language if i'm not acting like that's the case if my character is polar opposite like that example or even just different if you're just being yourself whereas what you want people to believe is a skill set that you don't already have and already possess there's going to be that jarring disconnect there you have to act like you're actually performing. And we actually wrote about this uh, quite a while back in a, a, a blog that we wrote about scripting. If you want to go and read that, it's our approaches to scripting, thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash scripting. Again, we can link that in the show notes. But we actually explore the fact that in there, you have to be able to prepare your script and also your presentation towards the thing that you're doing, whatever that outcome of fooling actually is. So in this case, the body language example is just one that I've had to work through myself. Um, but I'm sure there's plenty of other approaches uh, to that. I think this is why propless mentalism, a lot of people hate it. And for real world audiences, it doesn't go down too well. And it's because the method is the presentation 
and when people perform it and why a lot of pros say oh propolis mentalism doesn't work propolis mentalism doesn't work i'm just going to put it out there every single trick tsm has released whether it be my hand stick your witch hand to Saw's multiple paths or phil smith's quinter they're all propolis methods yet the working pros like uh sydney friedman for example or the guy who i can't remember his name uh todd robbins there we go who works with works with todd Teller. robbins blimey ah, it happens it happens we speak to so many people <laughs> sorry there's my ego going off <laughs> but you get the point there those people going wow these are amazing and the reason why they've said they're amazing is they don't connect it to propolis mentalism because in their minds propolis mentalism is anagrams and where the the process and presentation is the actual method if you want to do propolis mentalism well and actually it be falling to your audience and have that go absolutely spiffing <laughs> for a word, then you need to think about how you can disguise the pre-written process with your actual character. If you're going along and thinking, is there an R in there? Is there a U in there? Is there an A, an I? Does this feel heavy? Does this feel light? That's just process, which is just presentation, but it's shit presentation it's really bad presentation it's not fun it literally feels like 20 questions it feels like it's just back and forth back and forth if you can hide that within the actual presentation and apply it to your own character tweak things around so that that method is now hidden and it feels like your actual character that's why the reason why i've seen fed on bilek do propolis mentalism like in uh, orion for example to his audiences and to the magicians, the mentalists and the real world people he's performing to, it doesn't feel like that back and forth question. It doesn't feel boring. It doesn't feel obvious. It doesn't feel like rubbish propolis mentalism, which is just, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Well, you've gone through every letter in the bloody alphabet. You know what this is now from the audience's perspective. It feels real because the way or the Ray Fedon is going about the process is by applying his psychic character to it so it works for him it's almost like he's using intuition to pick up on little bits little nuggets it's just deep down he's actually going through a process to get them to piece it together using very clever methods so that he can work out what maybe word or object they're thinking of but he's taken the extra step to apply the character on top therefore hiding the propolis method so if all of us as mentalists and magicians doing propolis work can get out of just reading it in the book and then doing it and start to actually put some brain cells into it and apply character then propolis mentalism will work well in a wedding environment in a corporate environment and that's hard to it's, i'm just going to say it maybe some of the working pros who say it doesn't work maybe they're just lazy or maybe they haven't worked out that to make propolis mentalism work you have to apply your own character on top of it exactly that and that's kind of the two really obvious universal principles actually under that second question what are the things that you have to do in order to make that happen so to recap everything so far point number one what is your definition of falling get really clear on that definition then step two what are the things that you have to do in order to make that happen including hiding the method in every possible sense and also applying your character so it comes true to you the third question here or the third point it's not really a question but it's actually in performance and you've got to be prepared for this you have to give them only what they need in order to make the judgment of whether they've been fooled or not in the uh, like the uh, description that you've given so your definition of falling is to make them think that you're using body language everything that you give them in performance mode has to line up and only line up to them believing that you're doing body language 
It has to be the case that you're only using uh, sleight of hand to achieve your performances. You have to give them that and only that. Take the rule of uh, Occam's Razor. Occam's Razor is basically the idea, long story short, uh, that the simplest solution to a problem is more often than not the right one. So actually think about that in your performances. What is the simplest solution that somebody can jump to in your performances and then make sure that that is actually lining up to where you want. For example, you bring out an iPad or your phone in performance and you do a trick with your phone or something. Occam's Razor, from an audience's perspective, ah, it's just an app. Is that what you want people to think? Uh, maybe. Maybe that is exactly what you want them to think. It's totally up to you. But at the same time, it's probably not what you want your audience to think. So now you can start training up and thinking about the things that will actually allow you to block out all of these unwanted thought processes and these unwanted suggestions and methods. And you'll still get people every time you pull out your phone say, ah, it's an app. Ah, he, he had some water. He's got a stooge. Uh, uh, oh, he walked to the front of the stage. That must mean he's wearing an earpiece. You'll get people like that just because that's people. And there are more often than not the sceptical people. But that's a really important thing. Give them only what they need in order to make the judgment of whether they've been fooled or not. Well, this boils down to people in general just being logical. Every audience member you perform to is going to one way or another want to work out how you've done it. Now, here's the thing. For me, performing as a psychic, you might think that, oh, the people I'm performing to, well, they don't want to work out how it's done. They just want to appreciate it for just being genuine psychic power. No, no. When I perform to them, they want to work out exactly how it's done. It's just the little nuggets along the way hint at it being psychic ability so that they leave their logical mind has gone well there's obviously not a magic trick here this is so fair so like no one wrote down your auntie susan it just appeared out of nowhere like there's no other logical explanation apart from the guy must be psychic and because of the presentation angle that i've hinted along the way Every audience is logical, they want to work out how it's done, so it's up to you to plant your little seeds, your little red herrings to lead them to the specific point where you want them to go. Whether that is, in my case, psycho uh, psychic, whether in Aiden's case, psychological, whether in your case, uh, a trick or genuine magic powers, and you can make that elephant appear on stage. Whatever that is for you, you've got to lead them to there. But here's the thing, you don't want to lead them to there by going, I'm going to demonstrate some psychic powers because... Everyone's mind has that natural BS detector to go, no, you're not. <laughs> if you go out there and make a big claim, then as Banachek and um, James Randi said, you've got to give good evidence to back that up. So now it's going to be harder for you to actually persuade them that maybe you are psychic, psychological or, or doing real tricks. Use their sceptical uh, wisdom to your advantage to don't go out there and make these big claims just do, just be, as we always say, and start planting those seeds. When I go out and I perform as a psychic, my character is deep-rooted so that it looks what the audience believes a psychic would look like. I've taken the audience's perspective and I've, I've applied that to the performance. Now when I'm performing, they feel like I'm a psychic because that's what's going on in their head because of the little red headed herrings along the way that leads them to the only possible explanation uh, one of the things as well which i want to uh, take from this is uh, from the piddingtons fantastic mind reading duo from ages ago and uh, when people would ask them how the, an effect was done they just say hey 
I've given you the facts. You make up your own mind. And I love that because it let people follow their own mind and, and the little uh, process which they've already taken them on to end up at exactly where they want to go without them saying, well, you know, it's done as psychic. <laughs> Exactly that, exactly that. So, so far we've actually covered what is your definition of falling? What are the things that you have to do in order to make that definition happen? And now we're giving them only what they need in order to make that falling judgment. Give them only that through the red herrings, through uh, maybe even addressing a, a big bold claim and a big bold statement to make people think a certain way so that then you can back it up with unconditional proof um, again, that's something that I, I love using myself. I love search, like doing a routine and set, like for example, and I know I bring it up all the time on the podcast just because it's a perfect example of this in action, but take my witch hand routine, the one that I lectured in uh, all about the tricks. So that routine, I open and tell people, is a silly little game I want to play. Uh, and, and on stage, I actually tell people uh, it's using psychology and body language. Now, the good thing here is that the method is hidden because the method is the exact thing. It is psychology and body language. But here I'm making this big, bold claim and people are naturally of that sceptical, of that challenge mindset. They're going to be looking at every opportunity to either support the statement I'm making or de like deny it. And because beautifully in this situation, there is no possible way of them denying it because there is no other method uh, in play. Even if they can't say, uh, or even if they don't want to agree to the big, bold claim, they can't disprove it, which as a sort of a, a weird dynamic means that they also believe the claim, even if they don't want to openly admit that they're believing this claim. It's a really weird dynamic and something that you can do. It's controlling your audience's thought processes on that bigger level through things like big bold claims, etc. But now the final question. You've gone through all this process. You've got your definition. You've worked out exactly how to make that definition happen. And you've got your entire set of performance skills here in terms of giving them exactly what they need. The final question is, do you really want to fool your audience? Do you want to fool them in the first place? Because at the end of the day, it's one thing to go out and, and, and be a, an entertainer of any kind. But that's the key. Are you going to go out there and try and be an amazing world-class top-tier professional entertainer or are you going to go out there and be an amazing top-tier world-class professional trickster, fooler, person that does this thing? And and this is again where it gets the lines get blurry because ultimately there is both an overlap and a, a distinct difference between those approaches. But do you really want to fool your audience? Ashley, could you sort of explore and unpack that? Well, uh, I mean, first of all, I just want to relate that down to something that you said at the beginning. It's art. Like, all of you listening now, you can do what you want. But for me personally, my one main job as an entertainer is to entertain. Everything I do is focused around the audience. We spoke for the last, really, year when we was mentioning online shows. And me and Aidan were saying every single change I made in my online shows was for the audience to make the audience experience better i didn't change any of the tricks did i aiden no not at all yeah exactly like it was just the show in general but i changed little subtleties throughout to get more engagement so got more people doing things at certain moments so that they would feel involved which was a massive problem within online shows even now when i'm performing live in person shows everything i do is for the audience i uh, I've been told off sometimes because, like, people think my intros are too long when I'm just introing a show. But 
people are actually entertained people are having fun they're enjoying my jokes my laughs the, the mass communication people are so happy and enthralled and i haven't even shown them a trick yet it's just the tricks and the effects are almost in my opinion the icing on the cake it's what i love about comedians so much hayden they're able to just stand on stage and talk and i remember um a friend at school when we was discussing my shows and and he was talking to me his name's jack so if you listen hey jack i I know he sometimes tunes in just because he's like i like to listen to ashley stuff he always said if you can record your show and play it back to yourself without watching video you just listen to the audio is it entertaining if yes you're a bloody good entertainer. If no, there's obviously work you need to do. If you can entertain someone through just your voice and what you want to say, what a golden place to be. You can do anything. You can go out and do Spongebob mentalism and absolutely set the world on fire. Or you can go out and produce an elephant on stage and even more set the world on fire because that's an incredible thing. But this is where my philosophies always stand. It's not about the tricks. It's not about the effects. It's about entertainment and actually engaging and making sure people have fun. But hey, that's just my personal opinion. Exactly that. It's it's a decision that uh, there is no right or wrong uh, of do you really want to fool your audience? Ultimately, yes, we all, by whatever stretch of the means, we want to fool our audiences. Otherwise, what's the point at the end of the day? We aren't magicians, we aren't mentalists, we aren't mystery entertainers or mystery performers or whatever you brand yourself as. Uh, you, you have to go out and fool your audience, but is that what your primary objective is? Is that your aim? Or do you want to do something different? Do you want to make an impact? Do you want to change people's lives? Do you want to just make people feel a certain way or remember a specific moment? or like Whatever it is for you, what is it that you're going for? And do you really want to focus all of your attention on fooling the audience or do you want to go up that next step beyond and do something with your performance craft? Well, exactly. This is exactly what we teach and learn to thrive right at the very beginning. Set people on the right path so that they're doing something, I guess, unique and standing out in quotation mark. But it's not. They're standing in, being themselves and harnessing what's already inside. And we just amplify it so that they chase their own unique angle through just being themselves. And because you're achieving more than just an effect, more than just a trick, you now unlock so much more motivation. It's now no longer a job. You're actually potentially changing lives with magic, but you're actually doing something more than just tricks. And what a beautiful, beautiful position to actually be in uh, as as an entertainer in general. 100%. 100%. So there we have. There's four clear stages right there that you can use, pick and choose and explore on how to actually fool your audience. Step number one, what is that definition of fooling? Step number two, what are the things that you have to do in order to make that definition happen? Step number three, give them only what they actually need in order to make that judgment and that decision as to whether they've been fooled or not. And then step number four, do you really want to focus on fooling your audience or is there something else there? There we go. And for all of you new listeners that want to take your magic and mentalism to the next level, well, we've got a free book which you can download straight away today. All of the new people here, if you want to apply all of these principles and you loved it and you want to load a load more, we actually have an ebook called 10 Tips to Improve Your Mentalism. Completely free. We want no cash, nothing. We just want to improve your magic, your mentalism. And if you want to download 10 Tips to Improve Your Mentalism today, head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash free. That'll be in the show notes as well, but thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash free to learn all of those 10 tips to improve your mentalism today. 
Hey, it's Aiden here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it would really mean the world to us if you just took a moment to leave a rating and a review on your preferred podcast player. That way it just helps us grow the show and get it into the ears of more listeners across the world in a non-creepy way. Also, when you're ready to roll, here are three ways that we can help you right now. Number one is to join our free Facebook group. It's called the Magician's Business Group and we're creating the most valuable space on the internet for entertainers that are looking to grow and improve their business. We'd love you to join us inside. So to do that, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash group and the magic of the internet will take you straight there or just pull open Facebook and search for the Magician's Business Group. Number two is to take our new quiz. It'll help you find the biggest opportunity in your entertainment business right now. And in just a few quick questions, you'll be presented with a seven minute breakdown of your biggest opportunity and how you can actually go about tackling that to help increase your entertainment business and boost it completely. In order to take the quiz, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. And we'll be able to get you your results. Number three, momentum. If you'd like to make an extra two grand a month in magic without paying a penny for advertising, we'd love to help you. Our latest coaching program, Momentum, is designed to get you booking gigs every single week for at least £500 so that you can be growing your entertainment business without having to worry about websites or business cards or advertising or any of that kind of stuff. To find out more, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum and we'll send you all of the details.